0: your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Where I come from, you've given an opportunity and you fight to earn respect. Today, in front of the entire
1: world, Vince McMahon said he didn't believe in you, and you said these people believe in you. (laughs) For what it's worth, you got one more person that believes in you. You give him hell at the Royal Rumble. Ladies and gentlemen, your challenger for the Universal Championship at the Royal Rumble, Finn Balor. when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind A-Raw with John Pollock and Waiting, the 18 that makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's Rewind A-Raw for Monday night, Download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's Rewind A-Raw for Monday night on USA, now on the John and Waiting the mic. Hello, everybody. I'm John Pollock along with Waiting. Welcome to Rewind A-Raw My favorite show on a Monday night.
0: How are you, Wei? I'm doing great. You sound very chipper this evening. Oh, I just about destroyed my
1: laptop here trying to get these audio settings to properly work. Yeah, that is a lot of
0: trial and error. I will say maybe that that might be like half the battle of podcasting is um, getting your microphone to read uh, to be recognized by your computer. Uh, certainly yes it's very understated
1: we have a lot to get to on this uh, particular show we have a lot of news items to talk about uh quite the addition of raw from memphis tennessee we've got a t-shirt giveaway excited about that it is back and we have a bunch of shows to promote that are coming up on our network this week how was your weekend on the way
0: my weekend was good yeah i um i watched uh the nxt show um you know I, I hung up with a uh, family for a bit i actually was a guest on a on a podcast oh uh, a podcast? podcast it's called the immigrant hustle podcast and um it it's it's uh, it's operated by these two uh, rappers who listen to our stuff actually and they do a show in brampton um talking to uh, i i suppose immigrants uh or really anybody with interesting stories and i, I spent a good deal of time kind of talking about like I guess, my background. So um, it's not going to come out for a few months, but when it does, I will let you know. Can I start off
1: with what I thought was one of the funniest stories of the year? Sure. And it's directly... You're going to find this more entertaining than maybe some of our listeners. But you heard about this Dwayne Johnson interview recently that he uh, he did not conduct with The Daily Star? Yeah. Okay. So for those that are not aware... Uh, The Daily Star came out with this interview attributing these quotes to Dwayne Johnson going after the snowflake generation and people being too sensitive. And there was this big uproar about it and Dwayne Johnson ended up issuing a video claiming, I never did an interview. These comments are fake. They're not real. I never said these comments. And so it's this big thing about this fake interview. So several days ago, uh, before Dwayne Johnson came out with this reveal that he had not done this interview, you and I, we used to work with a gentleman by the name of Corey Erdman who tweeted out, maybe I'll turn out to be wrong, but this, the rock hates Snowflake story sure reads like a phony article. There's no context whatsoever. So I'm left to believe Dwayne Johnson reached out to the daily star on his own, just to vent about millennials. So he tweeted this and obviously he has been proven completely accurate And every entertainment outlet covering this big story, including Yahoo, who embedded his tweet, but unfortunately must have been scrambling to put this article together and didn't quite fully uh, uh, see the information in front of them. Because the the paragraph to set up this tweet was, (laughs) 80s icon Corey Feldman also questioned the truth behind the interview, tweeting that it reads like a phony article. Oh, my God. I laughed so hard oh. when I read this that they mistook Corey Erdman. Clear as day, it is written Corey Erdman for Corey Feld. You're telling me Yahoo did this? This was on uh, Yahoo. I think it was Yahoo movies.
0: I thought, uh, I thought the Daily Star was about as low as we were going to get in this story for journalism. For an excuse for journalism. But I guess Yahoo uh, totally trumped that. Wow. How
1: embarrassing. Just the funniest thing of all time when I read that. So anyway, that was a that was a lighthearted uh story to start things off. What should we get into first, boy? Whatever you want. Let's uh let's discuss some of the news first. Is that fine? And then we'll go then we'll do the t shirt giveaway. And then what's coming up? Sure. Yes, sure. Uh we, we should start off the top about uh the changes that have been made to the Royal Rumble. Um, this will kind of get ahead of ourselves, but we should start to talk about it off the top. It is now Brock Lesnar and Finn Balor at the Royal Rumble, and I know a lot of people are going to be wondering what exactly uh, went on here, and news had started to come out during the day about uh, the potential change that was going to be made to a match at the Royal Rumble, and thus that angle happened. So, I had heard that this was a possibility last week, and I had heard that this had been the plan for a while. That this angle, this was not something that they had just come up with over the last few days because, you know, Braun can't wrestle at this show, we need to scramble. Like, this had been planned for a while. I don't know exactly when it was decided upon. It's possible that, if you look at how things line up, is it possible that going into TLC they realized Braun is not going to be ready to do the Royal Rumble? If you remember at that TLC match, he did nothing. He just stood on top of Baron Corbin and and pinned him. And that is when this Finn Balor push started. He has not lost on TV since TLC. He's been booked very strong. So I don't know when they knew that they were going with this. I had been told that this has always been the plan. And I, I guess it comes down to when they were told about Braun and when he'll be ready to come back or not. That they've been promoting this match. That they apparently did not have an intention on delivering.
0: Interesting. Interesting. What reasons do you think um, would there be. For taking Braun out of that match.
1: So. And again. I. I look at this story that yes. They may have been prohibited because of the elbow. But I'd also heard that they just did not want to beat Braun. uh, Again at this time. Um, Dave Meltzer had a thing in the. Uh, Wrestling Observer Newsletter update today Stating that It will be reported that it is due to an injury by others It is not It was always the plan And Dave is going to be explaining that on his own show tonight So that's where we are on the Braun Strowman front But All I can say for sure is that This Finn Balor decision This was not a decision made recently That they had been planning for this angle uh, For some time How long? That I do not know
0: Okay, yeah But do you like this change? Uh, I like it a lot, actually. Yeah, uh, uh, a Braun Strowman-Brock Lesnar match to me really did nothing for me. I think Braun, ever since his heel turn and and subsequent turn back to babyface, really has lost a rapport that he had originally with the audience, and I think he's, you know, it's certainly having the injury didn't help him, but uh, at the same time, I think Finn Balor, it's, um, I didn't expect the match to take place so soon, um, but So are you saying that they're willing to have Finn Balor lose then?
1: I, I'm not ex- – I, I, I don't know what the outcome of this match is, but I'm not expecting Balor to win this match mm-hmm. at the Rumble.
0: Sure, yeah. Balor is an interesting one though in that like even if he loses this one, he always still has the demon. And if your ultimate story is for Finn Balor to, you know, overcome this big monster – having him lose this one still opens him up to bring out the demon so that he could be Brock at a later time.
1: Uh, some other news that is going on today. We had, uh, this was a a pretty significant story and the ramifications are going to probably take some time to fully, uh, see the effects. The WWE network has signed with endeavor streaming, which, uh, Kind of incorporates uh, New Lion into this new entity that is Endeavor Streaming, and they are leaving uh, Disney, which had had purchased BAM Tech. So this is pretty much the the engine that runs the WWE Network. They had been part of BAM Tech, which it's kind of like the the state of the art for uh, sports streaming services, uh, which had been part of the WWE Network since they launched in 2014. New Lion is what. Is had been running uh, UFC Fight Pass, so that is where the WWE is moving to this new entity because Endeavor has kind of uh, placed New Lion into their uh, kind of umbrella. But this, it's not so much going to change like the content that's on there, but the uh, just the layout, the functionality; those are things that maybe we'll see some changes. And I know that some people have complained about certain elements or lack thereof on the WWE Network. It's going to be kind of a a testing period to see if this ends up being a positive move in the long run, or if there's going to be um, a diminished effect on the WWE network not being attached to uh, their previous um, kind of BAM Tech uh, engine.
0: Yeah, I would say you know for the general public, I don't think like it's it's make or break this 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 piece of news. But uh, as somebody who uses both services, is there one that you prefer?
1: I I kind of like. The, um, the WWE Network over Fight Pass—it's not a gigantic difference to me. Uh, I know some people have talked about that. Sometimes the uh, UFC Fight Pass it can lag a bit behind the the live feed by um, you know a very minimal amount of time. I'm more looking at what are they going to bring to the WWE Network that can kind of evolve. It's been a very static presentation since 2014. You haven't seen any gigantic. Uh, technological upgrades to the wwe network in almost five years so i think that if anything hopefully this will bring some new added tools that you can add to the network that provides kind of a better um user
0: experience i would love for um the wwe network to implement some of the great things that fight pass currently has like being able to select your own cameras or to hear cornerman shout out uh, instruction from the corners I'd love that. imagine like getting like to hear the like um uh, well, I guess not Leo rush because they've actually tried that, but you know hearing a manager or more importantly, how about hearing the Vince McMahon um, uh, com uh, audio track you know separate audio tracks at the very least, you know like alternate commentary these are things I want to see implemented. Well, th- these are all kind of creative ideas that there's nothing really stopping them from doing
1: any of this stuff that you uh, suggest. It's a maybe little clumsy
0: have... right now, though, when they do it. Because, like, even with the uh, Spanish commentary, they have to upload, like, a completely different file. It's not just, you know, hit hit a button and then hear a different, That's right. a different audio track. So maybe maybe stuff like that will be a bit more of uh, streamlined with this new, new platform.
1: Jerry Lawler, who had a very brief cameo on uh, Raw tonight. It was so brief, I thought he was getting called up from NXT. Uh, he announced on his podcast on Monday that he signed a new two-year contract with the WWE, uh, which his last contract expired on January 10th. Said he's received a raise, and he was not contacted by All Elite Wrestling. He's happy to stay with the WWE. It could have Jerry Lawler, He, uh, I guess he technically could have been uh, the, a surprise. His contract would have been up last weekend and could have been at that press
0: conference if he had wanted to i guess i'd love to know even if if there, there were there are any feelers out for him for jerry lawler i just you know maybe or he said there were not yes yeah uh what exactly did he do the last time that he like during the the the, the duration of his last contract how just many the appearances pan, the, the panel shows that's it yeah well he got a raise for it good for him man i kind of see these deals as more like like in the case of a Jerry Lawler, he's not really going – he's not being held up so that, you know, other uh, the competition can't use him. I just simply don't think there's that much demand for Jerry Lawler. I kind of see it more as like, you know, thank you for your service for all these years. Here's a paycheck.
1: Yeah, it would be a weird fit. I think that there's always a role for a Jerry Lawler. He's one of the all-time great talkers. I think in the WWE v- environment, he's been extremely um, – like, he's a non-entity. He is not someone that they focus on. Um, but I, I think for someone uh, of that level of celebrity as uh, as well, especially in his uh, local area, I think there's always a role for a Jerry Lawler. But uh, seeing him, it, it's hard to see uh, him going to another company at this stage of his career. It's probably best, you know, you stay in the WWE. He also added that he's going to be calling the men's Royal Rumble match with Michael Cole and JBL and... Yeah, he ha- he actually had to alert the WWE that his contract was expiring.
0: Oh, okay. He's calling that match with Cole and JBL? That's that's according. This is all according to Jerry Lawler on his podcast. I mean, that's kind of like, that's a little out of left field, you know? Um,
1: Literally, while well, they're at a baseball stadium.
0: Yes, yes, yeah. Um, did, any truth to the to the rumor that, like, the entrances are going to take place from the dugout? I don't know. I don't know. I know that okay. story was going around.
1: I mean, it's a big field. So if you remember when they were at the Alamo Dome two years ago, they had those those um, uh, almost like miniature uh, vehicles to bring, especially the big guys, uh, down to the ring. Right. So some, sometimes they do come up with alternate ways when you're having to cover so much distance. And on the Royal Rumble, where you don't have time to waste on guys making a long trek down to the ring. Right, Okay.
0: Yeah, but JBL and, and Lawler on commentary, I, I mean, that's that's an interesting one. I, do, I guess I don't have huge issues with it, but I also ask, you know, why? What's What exactly is the purpose? It's not necessarily, you know, any type of nostalgic matchup. Um, I, I would say it's a match that might be better served with your current commentators like Corey or, or whoever.
1: Well, it's going to be a long show. You're going to get plenty of Corey,
0: I'm sure, yeah. uh, throughout the show.
1: Uh, over the weekend, there were a pair of injuries at the Ring of Honor uh, shows on Saturday in Atlanta, uh, Chris Sabin suffered a knee injury during a, a six way match. And then Sunday night, uh, Flip Gordon was just starting his match with Tracy Williams when he threw this running drop kick into the corner. He immediately started uh, holding his knee. He tried to do this springboard spear before rolling to the floor, and they had to call the match off. This was about two minutes in, and he was helped to the back. Uh, Ring of Honor did send out a statement to us uh, confirming that. Both had suffered injuries, and the severity of each injury will not be known until further tests are concluded. So, um, yeah, hopefully um, speedy recoveries uh, for both individuals. With Chris Sabin, here's a guy that has had two torn ACLs, which he had back-to-back back back when he was with TNA. So, um, you know, I I guess there's no results back yet, but for him especially, you really hope that it's not something so severe as a a full-out torn ACL.
0: Certainly, yeah, and in the case of Flip, I think you know it's never good timing, but he certainly seemed to be poised to have a a prime role in Ring of Honor with the the departure of the Elite. I I also you know I saw the clip and I just I I don't understand like trying to continue the match when when you know it was as severe as it as it was seeing him like take try to springboard drop kick off of that injury. Was really nuts to me. And uh, if there's anything that I guess I'm kind of happy with about the situation. It's that like we're we're we seem to be far past the point of like, well, I mean, I say that. But anyway, but at least like, you know, uh, a company like Ring of Honor isn't isn't uh, unwilling to like call a match. I I, I would just like hope that, you know, you just like you don't really kind of leave it in the hands of the performers in certain cases.
1: I, I hope we are starting to get to that I see it in MMA as well it's it's very small but you're starting to see kind of the mentality shift a little when guys are unwilling to continue in a fight like they realize that they're not going to answer the bell and it's it's you know for so long it's like this this prideful thing that you just you keep going and i think in MMA it's very slowly changing And I would hope in pro wrestling that obviously very different circumstances, but when you have a legitimate injury, especially as an independent wrestler where you are so tied to your bookings and being healthy that if there's a serious injury, it's not imperative that you finish the match. I don't think any fan, I won't say any fan, but I think a large amount of fans, no one is going to feel cheated when a legitimate injury occurs and the match has to stop. I don't think anybody felt, uh, You know, they felt awful for Flip Gordon, and, you know, the match is not even secondary. It's not a priority at all. It's, okay, we don't get this match. Mm -hmm. Not the end of the world. Uh, Which, on this same show, I did watch this whole show, and I will say, in this six-man tag with Villain Enterprises against Silas Young and the Briscoe Brothers, PCO, did you see any highlights of this match? I watched the match, yeah. PCO, there were no less than three times (laughs) I was frightened watching this man, um... I heard on Monday that it doesn't appear he suffered any injuries, which is kind of miraculous. I guess the big one everyone saw was the Canadian destroyer that – I guess the joke was made. This nearly destroyed the Canadian when Silas Young delivered this to PCO on the edge of the apron, and it looked horrific.
0: (sighs) (laughs) I'm amazed. I'm amazed that this man is – Doing what he's doing, I, I, you know, I know he's been doing stuff like this for years, probably to way smaller crowds. But I think now, like, now that he's associated with a ring of honor, everybody kind of gets to see like this dude living his gimmick, man. He's he might not be human. Uh, I, I hope it's like you know, I hope he can maintain this streak, man. Because, because yeah, I get nervous, but that's that's his gimmick now, John. It's like he's the guy who nearly kills himself, not just in matches, but like in like he like, he throws darts in his chest. It's, it's like, he gets hurt as, a, as his
1: gimmick. I was worried watching this, and he's just, by, he has admittedly signed the biggest deal of his career. So he wants to come out and have the performance everyone wants to see, but this is not a performance you can do every weekend at 51. It's not a performance you should be doing every week at 31. And I just watched this, and this match is a perfect encapsulation of he was also the most over guy in the match. Yep. By the end of it, everyone was going nuts for him. This audience loved him. And he pinned Jay Briscoe. They put this guy over. Like, they went all the way with him, which is a theme I will talk about later when it comes to if you're bringing in somebody, I think you you just – you decide this guy is someone we're going with. And they pinned Jay Briscoe, who does very, very few losses. And they had PCO beat him. That was a big statement. And I feel that this guy is going to feel that that pressure to have to go out and do a PCO performance on the on the regular. And it's it was frightening to me to watch this match, um, seeing what he did. But also seeing how incredibly popular he was to this audience on a show where the first half of it, the crowd was not all that hot for this show. Second half
0: was a big turnaround on this show. Second half was a very strong show, I thought. I agree with you. It was very frightening, but I, I can't say I was bored at all. Like he is spectacular to me. No, like, th- this was a, it was a, it was, um, I guess dude, a captivating match. Yeah. Like he, he is a spectacle, you know? Um, I, and I think like just watching that match alone, at least in in, 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 with, with that, I did not see any, uh, in, in interactions with the, um, life, life house, lifeblood. <laughs> I think that's such a bad name the new lifeblood Life yes. i think it's such a bad name <laughs> anyway i did not see any of that stuff but like between those two those two things i think i think like ring of honor has really like done a good job at least like trying to paint it paints itself with a with a fresh coat of paint uh just in a very short time but like pco to me already is like coming across like their top star and how crazy is that you know a 50 something year old being the top star of ring of honor in 2018 2019 uh but it's through like wrestling a style like that that's so it. I will
1: I will take that idea that hey, we're bringing this guy in, let's go all the way as opposed to you know, we from day one we we don't see a lot with this person, so let's just throw them out there with no rhyme or reason. Yeah. So, um yeah, it was a it was a very good show on Sunday. The main event I really enjoyed with Jay Lethal and Dalton Castle, it was only 16 and a half minutes and I thought it was a great length for the match. I was never uh, Bored at all i thought the match was just a great pace from start to finish some great sequences avoiding the the lethal injection and bangarang uh, this was the best dalton castle had looked in a while because he's had all of those injuries just a really strong match and i like the idea that they're the main event but they didn't feel that a main event has to be 25 30 minutes they went 16 and a half great length
0: and i i enjoyed that a lot cool yeah John right. has a John has a full report on the show up on uh, postwrestling.com. Right. Okay. Um that's the
1: news. Uh let's get into some of uh, what is coming up here at Post Wrestling this week. Um do we want to do the t-shirt giveaway let's first? Do,
0: no, let's do let's do the 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 hard work first and then we'll get to the fun stuff. All right, everyone. Here are your vegetables.
1: We have Tuesday. Rewind to Smackdown will be up uh, with myself and Way chatting about Tuesday's show. And then following that, we have the double shot for members of the Post Wrestling Cafe. All members will have access to this show uh, early Wednesday morning. And this week, we're going to chat about the Nigel McGuinness documentary that aired over the weekend. There's also a Mean Gene Okerlund special that they had been working on before his passing and was airing on the WWE Network tonight. And if I'm not mistaken, a season four Total Bellas premiere
0: review by Wei Ting. Sure. Yeah. Is it season four already? Wow. Season four of Total Bellas kicked off on Sunday night. Nikki is single and ready to
1: mingle. So, we'll see. Maybe she'll meet Scorpio Sky, who was single and ready to jingle on that Christmas-themed edition of Being the Elite.
0: Oh, okay. I missed that one. <laughs> there's also a new Being the Elite, but... Yeah. It wasn't, not whole, it wasn't that important. It was a recap show, yes. Pretty much, yeah. Alrighty. But- Anything else? Uh, Yes, there's plenty more. Oh, okay, sorry.
1: Thursday, we have the Cafe Hangout, which is live at 3 p.m. Eastern time for Double Double, Ice Cap, and Espresso members. You can tune in live. Uh, We got a number of calls last week, so the calls will be open on Thursday, and that show also goes up as a podcast on Fridays for everyone. Uh, Thursday, we'll also have Up Next with Braden and Davey, and then Friday, we have not just Rewind Away with a review of NXT TakeOver Dallas featuring Shinsuke Nakamura's Uh, WWE debut uh, where uh, it was funny they were doing um, a backstage segment at TakeOver and uh, Shinsuke Nakamura just popped into the shot he didn't say anything and that was it that was his debut at TakeOver Dallas but Friday also features the debut of a brand new show here at the post office it is Nate Milton's original production the Rocky Maya via picture show where he is going to review every Dwayne Johnson movie. And joining him, who better, for his first guest than Brian Mann to review the 2002 classic, The Scorpion King.
0: Yeah, I'm so excited for this. Uh, I'm so glad to have Nate and Brian for this episode back on uh, our uh, network. And I think it's an amazing idea. Um, And I think it's an amazing name for our podcast, The Rocky Maivia Picture Show. Uh, so, for those of you uh, maybe um, asking, this is going to be on our post-wrestling feed. So, that's the feed that you're listening to right now. And I believe at the moment that we, uh, um, the idea is that this will be a monthly show. Is that right, John? Um, Or do I think to double-check with Nate? Yeah, well, we got to double-check with Nate. Okay, that. never mind. But <laughs> We're, on for, We're on Nate's schedule. At least for this, this, this particular episode. It'll be out on Friday, and then you'll hear about uh, all the other ones that are going to come out. But, uh, yeah, subscribe to this. Uh, and uh, also, I wanted to mention... All of our post-wrestling network shows are now available on Spotify. The Spotify gods have graced us. They've listened. They've listened to all of of your picketing outside their doors. And they've said, you know what? Enough. Uh, Enough. Here uh, you go. Next British wrestling experience, even keep it 2,000. You can all access now on Spotify. Not even premium. You know, like you don't even have to uh, skip ads to get to it. Just go there and listen. That's wonderful. And rounding out the week,
1: Saturday night, uh, Phil will join me. We're going to chat about the the debut of the UFC on ESPN Plus, which features TJ Dillashaw challenging Henry Cejudo for the flyweight title. It's a pretty big show, so Phil and I are going to review that uh, late Saturday night. Very
0: exciting. All right, here comes the fun part. We've forgotten about this for a while. I know. Well, part partially, it's because I've run out of um, bags. Oh, okay. So you didn't forget about this. Yeah. I forgot about this. You were just uh, rationing. But I still don't, I'm still i still out of bags because typically what we would send out is T-shirts and uh, stickers and, and post-wrestling combo packs. Instead, though, this week, I want to give out a toque, a post-wrestling toque that's proven to be quite popular around here. So uh, thank you to everybody who's purchased one and, and sent us your photos. I love seeing them. I can't believe you're all so willing to don our logo uh with the furry ball or without the furry ball on the top. And I'm so glad that we're we managed to educate so so much so many people about what exactly that piece of headwear should be called. So for a free pro wrestling toque John, say when uh Zen, Shen, Ben, When. From the Pro Wrestling Cafe, I wanna congratulate Greg Knowles. Gregory Knowles. Gregory Knowles, you are from Peterborough, Ontario. Congratulations, you win a post wrestling toque. Thank you for supporting the Post Wrestling Cafe, patreon.com slash post wrestling. And thank you to all of you who uh who are, are supporters of us as well. Uh yeah, we're gonna continue to do this monthly. Please uh, scold me if I forget. All right. Join the cafe. You are
1: in the in the uh what would we call it? In the uh, the giant uh, bowl of names for at Wade's disposal to yeah. pick. Hey, one
0: more uh, plug. The Rumble, the Rumble uh, Pool is up. Yes,
1: you, you cut me off right as I was uh, about to plug it. The Royal Rumble Pool is open. Go to postwrestling.com. Uh, look at the buttons, the beautiful buttons at the top of our site. Far right, Royal Rumble Pool. Click on it. Make your picks. Uh, the deadline is the day of the Royal Rumble at 3 p.m. Eastern time. Lots of time to get your picks in. Uh, Two more weeks, to be honest. So uh, strategize, come up with your algorithms and theory, and submit your picks, and the winner will be
0: announced the night after. You can also access it by postwrestling.com slash rumble. Oh, that's much easier. Yeah.
1: All right. Time to get into Raw from Monday night in Memphis, Tennessee at the FedEx Forum, and we would find out, would this deliver or not? Vince McMahon arrived in a limo. He pointed out a scratch on the limo for his driver to uh, tend to. And then Braun Strowman came out to the ring. He said that Brock Lesnar is scared. He is all healed up. And there is no one to save Brock Lesnar. And he is interrupted by Baron Corbin, who mocks, uh, is mocked for being fired by Strowman. And Corbin says that he is going to go where Strowman never will, the main event of WrestleMania. My God, if there's ever been a more insulting line uttered on a professional wrestling program than this assumption by Baron Corbin that Braun Strowman will never headline WrestleMania because this caused anarchy on the show. This line. Strowman chased him to the back. He murdered Sunil Singh, who resurrected later in the show. He's searching for Baron Corbin. And we cut to Elias in the back singing about his observations and informing Strowman of where Corbin has gone, and it's inside Vince McMahon's limo. Strowman... Hold on a second.
0: Yes? Did you um, notice when Strowman was talking about, um, like, like all the times that he... Like, everything he he's, he had done over the past year, and he called Crown Jewel WWE World Cup. Oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah. Good pickup on your part. He referred to it as WWE World Cup, so... If you're looking for that on the network, probably won't find it. WWE World Cup. Yeah. You think that was intentional or a slip-up? Oh, my God. Of course it's intentional.
1: Why even reference it?
0: Well, I guess he did. He was a part of it. But, yeah, why reference it? Sure.
1: So, he storms towards the limo. He yanks out the, this poor driver and just kicks the window uh the, the 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 side mirror off of the limo. And he blasts the window with a pipe, clearly uh taking lessons from Bill Goldberg. Yeah. Almost exactly nineteen years ago in January when he punched through the limo and just caused uh just a mess that was, and the guy's lucky he didn't lose an arm that night. Braun Strowman using a pipe and he rips off the door. And Vince McMahon appears. And we go to a commercial break. What an awkward commercial break this was, where we are to believe that they just stood there,
0: staring at each other for three minutes. Well, this is what you call a cliffhanger, isn't it, John? How does Vince McMahon react? Um, We should have had like a big, like, uh, picture-in-picture. No, this is when they should have gone to picture-in-picture.
1: They come back. Braun tries to reattach the door unsuccessfully. Vince calls him a human wrecking ball. It was very hard to understand Vince. And he finds Braun $100,000. Braun says, this limo isn't worth that much. So Vince says, well, this title match you have with Brock Lesnar, it's gone. (laughs) And Braun lifts and tips over the limousine. And that is our explanation uh, for Braun being out of the Royal Rumble, which, to their defense, they were very uh, limited here. Because Braun is not cleared.
0: So you couldn't do anything physical with him. Except um, flipping over a limo. F- except flipping over a limo. Um, I was trying yeah, but- to figure out how they did that, because typically when they do that, they have, like, like they, they, uh, they kind of, like, um, hide a certain angle. But, like... I'm sure there was some, some way that they could have just done it, but man, it, it, it looked impressive, at least on uh, visually. So how did you feel the, this was
1: handled, uh, getting Braun out of this match to set up the show-long story of who will
0: replace Braun Strowman? Um, I actually kind of liked all the, all of this stuff. You know, I felt like they did a good job setting up Vince's attachment to the limousine at the very beginning. And then uh, the reveal when he popped out to see Braun Strowman uh, tearing the whole thing apart, I thought was actually quite nicely done. I think one of the big issues Braun has had lately is that he, again, hasn't really been able to, you know, reestablish that babyface connection with the audience. And I kind of felt like I felt bad for him at the end here. So they were able to build a, a, a small bit of sympathy for me. Um and I guess I was left wondering exactly why he was not a part of this match. I'm assuming injury, but it, are, you, are you suggesting it could be something else?
1: Listen, just from when when I asked about uh, if this had always been the plan, I had been told that this, this angle tonight had been... It, it it was a plan that they had had for, for a while. So they were planning to get to... Baller and lesnar for a while oh. i just don't know how long they made that decision i don't know if that was the plan going back as far as tlc i don't know when they, when they were told what's the timetable for braun Strowman. they may have been told like he needs two months and they thought well we got to get through this tlc match and we'll we'll come up with a way out afterwards and he can beat he's got to beat baron corbin at tlc that's all possible so i don't know when they when they made the actual decision, just that it wasn't a last minute one.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I can say that I I'm I'm not necessarily more interested in seeing Braun um kind of get that match at this point. Like mm-hmm. he he had already failed. Um, he had to end up beating Baron Corbin in order to get the match. He's already done that. I and now he lost the match again. I I would say throughout the entire uh, course of, of all of those storylines, I just wasn't all that interested to begin with. So for them to reattempt to reheat Braun again following this, I'm not necessarily all that excited for that.
1: And you have to look at it, like this Royal Rumble. It's like it, it's designed that this is just a transition show for Brock Lesnar, who is clearly going to WrestleMania with this title. And do you want to beat Braun or can Finn Balor be sacrificed? Yeah, And and I I, I think we know the answer to that. And you'll probably get a much better match. You will get a much better match with Finn Balor than you would uh, Braun Strowman. Um, You know, you also look at the fact that, you know, if you knew at a certain point Baron Corbin or sorry, Baron Corbin, if Braun Strowman is not going to be part of this match that you're advertising, selling tickets to uh, some people might not be totally in sync with that and others will just figure, well, It's wrestling, and they have a lot of creative license to change as they please. And if someone was so upset, they can... They can refund
0: their tickets now, which I don't think too many people were buying their tickets for this one match. Well, it's also like dependent on whether or not you can come up with a better replacement, right? Sorry. If your replacement is a better match or more attractive match than what you're replacing it with. And I feel like, I don't know about the vast majority of audiences, but I think like at least for the people listening to this show, uh, Balor versus Lesnar is a far more attractive matchup, a far fresher matchup. Mm -hmm. And listen, look at Baller's track record. I looked at the... Like, he
1: is, he has not lost on TV since TLC. He beat Drew McIntyre at TLC. He won that three-way with Ziggler and Drew. Like, he has been protected this whole month leading into this as well. So, Strowman is taken out of the arena with his backpack.
0: Yeah. Monsters, he doesn't strike monsters me as... Monsters backpacks.
1: A, what should he have, a sack? Imagine, like, Great Khali just strolling out with a backpack...
0: Like what do you think Jan- they? What? How do you think they get
1: carry all their stuff? Um, a I I picture like Braun Strowman with a bindle. What's a bindle? Uh, look it up. It's oh, the describe. the like, stick with the yeah, the back yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. that would be great. <laughs>
1: uh, not like you know Jan Sport. <laughs> Ronda Rousey and Sasha Banks versus Tamina and Nia Jax. They were just this was like last week where I thought they just started off and it was one thing to the next and trying to have as much momentum as you could from the beginning of the show and see how long you could extend that. Mm -hmm. Rousey and Sasha took on Tamina and Nia Jax. Uh, Banks was in at the beginning and then Rousey was tagged in and quickly went for the armbar. But Tamina was pulled to the floor by Nia. Come back from the break. And this is when the incessant promotion of this new movie called Glass began. They... Cut away during a Ronda Rousey match for a picture-in-picture ad for this movie Glass. Which by the end of the night, it was impossible not to be aware
0: that the world of superheroes will be shattered this Friday. I guess it worked. Yeah, now I know about this movie. There was like a, a like before they cut into that picture p- picture-in-picture ad. um Renee had this like wild brain fart where she was trying to make a point about like. Naya or Tamina and just couldn't get the words out Mm -hmm. and and seeing how this commercial came right after her brain fart I have to believe that she must have been just thrown off by this instruction to throw to the the glass commercial mid-thought on her headset
1: yeah I I thought she had a few moments like that on the show um Tamina knocked Rousey off the apron and then Tamina Misses, running into Jacks and Sasha applies the bank statement and taps out Tamina for the submission. Charlie comes into the ring, interviews Rousey and Sasha. Rousey says, we trust each other because we both respect each other. Rousey says she has to tap out Sasha, and it will be an accomplishment when she does it. And Banks takes exception to this, stating that there's other people on this roster that can tap people out besides you. She's going to teach Rousey how to lose with class. And Rousey says, well, you can keep the tag of classiest loser. And Banks took issue with that, too, and being called a loser. And the only loser will be Rousey at the Rumble when she taps her out, and you can bank on that. Yeah. I'm waiting for the day, Way, that you use your last name as a diss on me. Does anybody do this in in, uh, in real life? Could I ever tell you, Way, I'm going to tap you out. And you can put a lock on that from Pollock.
0: Yeah. um, Could you imagine speaking like that with a straight face to somebody? uh, No, I can't. But I also can't imagine coming out there half naked in my underwear, um, you know, suplexing anybody either. You know, we're talking about eh, it's just it's a pro wrestling thing. You know, it's their catchphrases rousey apologized on the ramp and sasha just blew her off and and went to the back so that's our dissension between these two i actually thought this was great i thought for the first time in over a year i feel like i got to see the boss that cockiness that person who refuses to take any disrespect even if there might not have been any i thought they they managed to kind of build the conflict between these two pretty decently you know for for uh for for i would say you know somebody like sasha banks who really has been completely cold and off the radar for a long long time i like the character dynamic between the two in this feud sasha is clearly playing more of the heel and Rhonda is the humble yet dominant newcomer and i think that'll carry out nicely in the match with uh sasha kind of leading and and you know trying to uh, uh you know earn uh or command Rhonda's respect and whatever but I, I, I do feel like it, this could result ultimately in a, in a bit of a resurgence for Sasha.
1: I hope so. It seems that it's um, it's a program that comes out of nowhere, and they have a very short time to build it up, but it's a, a very fresh match for Ronda, for and hopefully something that can engage Sasha, although I feel this is one of those deals where it's going to be you know, Sasha's going to play the heel going into the Rumble, but will be a babyface coming out of it. Because you have the stuff with Bailey, where they're obviously going to be a featured team, which we'll get into that announcement as well, that I don't see Sasha turning in the near future. Maybe at some point she will. She's
0: certainly better suited for that role. But, you know, the current babyfaces now are simply, like, you know people with stronger attitudes. And I think that's what's been missing from Sasha. She could still obviously be very much a baby face, but I think the world's just kind of looking for a different change in attitude from her, much like, you know, uh, uh, Becky and Charlotte have both gone through recently.
1: Well, we did learn, though, from the Bailey feud that Sasha doesn't stay angry for long. Yeah. They make up very quick. Everyone is outside Vince McMahon's office and Jerry Lawler walks out and... No way Jose's Conga line walks by, and that was Jerry Lawler's uh, usage in Memphis. hmm He was there. Rousey is in the back arguing with Sasha as Natalia and Bailey are playing peacemakers. Natalia said that Sasha has to control her emotions, and this upsets Bailey, who argues on Sasha's behalf. The riot squad walks in. Liv calls Bailey a sad-face emoji, and Ruby challenges them to a six-woman tag, "If you can find a friend
0: Mm mm-hmm yeah a bit of a civil war going on between these baby faces I like that they managed to extend you know the main rivalry down to the um the associates here in Bailey and and Natalia thought that was all pretty well done the revival came out calling the lucha house party the loser house party
1: they complained about their loss last week to Gable and Rude with their foot on the bottom rope and that took us to the revival against Kalisto and Grand Metalik no more lucha house party rules.
0: Yeah, I think that's been banned with the fresh start. That was one of the big causes of Raw's uh, declining ratings, we've learned. So Dawson
1: holds a Kalisto and gets dropkicked by Wilder. Then mid-match, we cut away to, well, we do the picture-in-picture again. Dasha is outside of Vince McMahon's office, and she starts interviewing Apollo Crews. Then Curt Hawkins walks in, and Dasha just shuts down his hopes of taking on Brock Lesnar. And then we get the main roster debut of EC3, who just stands there. He doesn't say anything.
0: Mm-hmm. All throughout this episode, they had uh, the NXT newcomers make brief appearances, uh, sometimes in speaking roles, sometimes not in speaking roles, sometimes in matches, and sometimes just, you know, doing nothing. Um, so yeah, Lacey Evans appeared, Otis Dozovich would, would appear later on, but- oh, yes. I don't consider this like a real, real debut. These are just more so cameos just to kind of get get the audience talking about them. Um, yeah, like and they also did mention that it doesn't mean that any of them are going to be on Raw or Smackdown. They're going to be on both shows for now um, with kind of, you know, their permanent homes to be determined at, at a later time.
1: Yeah, they explain that. So they're not uh, earmarked for either brand. I am a big proponent of first impressions, meaning a lot. Mm-hmm. I don't think that just showing EC3, I don't think this is fatal for the guy. But I didn't think it brought any value. I don't know what the argument is for this one role. And his was hardly the, the I guess, the, the worst example. But to me, I, I think debuts are very, very important. And I got all this flack from people online when I uh, I made my my comparison. But anyway. What comparison? My, Okay, I was I wrote this uh, this tweet tonight. Way, yeah, I was uh, I was trying to be entertaining after watching the last oh, no, of these debuts. John, what did you do? Yeah. Uh, okay, so I wrote this uh, based on tonight's introductions. Chris Jericho would have knocked on the door at the Allstate Arena in 1999 and been the pizza delivery guy sent to the ring for a match. So I, I outraged many Chris Jericho fans who told me no one tonight was at the level of Chris Jericho, and that was not my point. My point was that if, first of all, if the thinking is none of these people are stars, why are they on this program? Why are they taking up any time? Why are they being called up? You can't have that mentality that this person is a star, this person is not a star. I feel when you are bringing someone up, you have to give them the best opportunity to get over. And... We have a roster. I have got enough B teams. I have enough Rhinos, enough Heath Slaters. I don't need any more of them. This is a company, they need stars. And if you are not an eligible candidate for that, then I I think you're just taking up space on the roster. So I would be treating everyone with a fresh slate that, hey, go out there, get over, and we're going to do the best possible job we can do to put you in that position to get over. That's how I feel every... Performers should be handled. Give them the best chance. Don't be an impediment to their getting over. And if the WWE had had that thought process in 1999 that Chris Jericho is a guy that didn't headline in WCW, that he never got past a certain level, he's not as big, he doesn't have this look, he doesn't know how to work WWF style. Like You could come up with all these these, uh, issues. And Chris Jericho went through all those problems uh, in the first year he was there. But on night one, they said, this guy, we are presenting him as a star, as a to feel like a main event guy. And it was one of the greatest debuts the company has ever done. And I'm not stating that everyone here on this show uh, needs that level. You can't do that with every single person. But the thinking was, hey, we've got this guy. What is the biggest impact we can make with them? And give them such a great first impression. So when I see a guy just, hey, we're doing a... A cutaway backstage. This will be the first image. Someone at home has of this character. Uh, I I just thought that there was no creativity here. And I just. I didn't see the argument for. These cameos. I think the Nikki Cross one was fine. I didn't have much of an issue with that. But I think first impressions mean a lot.
0: I think they're trying something new. With like uh, all these new rivals. uh, Being brought in at the same time. And I think more so than. Any, any 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 kind of like uh, singular focus that they're giving to these guys, I think they're all just mainly being used as sort of like a, a reasons to to kind of brand this whole thing a fresh start. Look, here's a new crop of guys that are making their, their appearances all at the same time. But I ultimately agree with you because I think being a part of a bunch obviously will water any single um, debut down and in the end kind of make not make any of them feel all that special ec3 being one of five or four people uh, appearing on raw here i i certainly wouldn't remember at the end of the show lacey evans i completely forgot was even a here again it's like it, these i don't necessarily consider these real debuts um but if if you're arguing that it'll take away their freshness when they finally have those real debuts i i don't disagree with that it's them trying something new. Let's let's see how it plays out. Uh, So, like, this was a long time. We
1: had Dasha here just interviewing different people here. And then we go back to the match. And
0: Oh, God, what a way to, like, tell your oh. audience not to give a shit about what's going on in the ring. I was actually getting into this match. And then they just, like, spent forever going to the back. And I understand the need to cut to the back for some of these things. But why not do it, like, during a Baron Corbin match? I actually was getting into this one there's enough time on this show that you can do a two minute
1: backstage segment. Yeah. I I just thought this totally took me out of this match. Um, So (laughs) Kalisto uh, gets cut off with a clothesline and there was a near fall that Michael Cole was so stunned by how close it was. And he's like, Oh, that might've been three care to chime in Corey and Renee. They're like, Nah,
0: man, the commentary team decided to take a shit on all of this too. It was like, you know, something about them cutting to the back, like telling you that, hey, this is not an important match. And the announcers kind of emphasizing that that with like what felt like a real kind of like lack of care into what was actually going on. It felt like they were taking a break. It felt like we were supposed to all take breaks from this match. So it ended with Dawson hitting a DDT to Grand
1: Metalik and now... The tables were turned. Grand Metalik got his foot on the bottom rope. Dash knocked it off, and they pinned him in 502.
0: That's perfectly legal, isn't it? There's no dispute here. I guess not. Yeah. I thought the match had really good action, but, you know, unfortunately with that long interruption, I, I by the end of it, I kind of had no real sense of flow. Dasha's is backstage. Vince walks
1: out. He's not giving her the scoop. He's walking out to the ring. We've got a show to build, and we have a crossover segment coming up. Vince comes out, and he's immediately interrupted by John Cena. Cena says he knows Vince wants someone to step up. He mentions Steve Austin, who left. The Rock left. And Brock Lesnar, who had gone off to try and play football in 2004. And Vince begged someone to step up. And Cena stepped up, and he asked for a chance. And he wouldn't let Vince down. He said, in my career, I've missed birthdays, weddings, and funerals for this, because stepping up, it isn't putting your life on hold it's making this your life and loving every second of it and he just wants another chance tonight another chance to become 17 time champion and everyone cheered this there were no
0: boos at the idea of john cena uh winning another title no i i i don't yeah i think he's like at the point now where he appears so infrequently that you know we're all ready certainly i think the the stench of like him taking the show over and being a part of every major program, every main event that I feel has been long gone. And I think audiences are kind of ready to see him have another run. Look at the stuff he did with Becky. And then tonight, this
1: is like the most unselfish main eventer you're going to see. Yeah. There are very few guys that would, that were in the positions of a John Cena that would do anything close to what this guy has done Uh, just in these two recent appearances this month. Mm -hmm. much less the the track record this guy has had when it's time to lose to someone and, and putting them over. Um, So he continues here. He brings up ruthless aggression, that awful tagline from 2002. Drew McIntyre comes out. He doesn't care if Cena talks about past championships or movies, but how dare you claim to still have ruthless aggression. That is Drew's tipping point. How dare you? He said this, Is what ruthless aggression looks like as he stares into Vince's face and then Drew says, John, your time is up and my time is now. I don't know how this man said this without laughing. This did not fit the Drew McIntyre character.
0: Using his own theme song lyrics on him? Yes. I liked it, man. I I thought it was actually quite clever.
1: I thought it was uh I don't know. Maybe
0: um maybe he could go deeper into the lyrics. Maybe he could
1: have just recited want, yeah, the I entire be, rap.
0: <laughs> if he did the whole song, that'd be great. You know, like you recently um post Facebook posted like this video that you and I did from the Fight Network where like what was that, ten years ago? It was 10 years ago. Where we were interviewing kids outside of the ACC ahead of a Raw. And, like, one of these kids, it was adorable. Dude, the whole song. Like, broken, like, mid-interview, broken to, like, the whole John Cena theme song. And you, like, your 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 caption was, like, these kids are all teenagers now. And I wonder. I'd love to, like, talk to one of those kids again just to kind of see, like, at what? Like, what do you think? 19 those, years those old? Those kids, dude, are were probably 9 or 10 years old at the time. They're probably in university now. Yeah, like, Do they still feel the same level of attachment to professional wrestling or, you know, more specifically to to John Cena? Because we're dealing with like a a, a generation of of wrestling fans now that, you know, will have grown up with John Cena much in the same way that, you know, somebody of our generation might have grown up with like Bret Hart or Hulk Hogan. So um, I find it so fascinating.
1: Baron comes out and we just do the procession of challengers making their case ending with Finn Balor, who was the final one out. And he says his argument is that he's the only one in this ring who has been universal champion. And Vince looks at Cena and Corbin and Drew. And then he looks at Finn. He says, Finn, there's a lot of beef out here. I uh, I don't know. I don't know. A lot of beef. Is it <laughs> is it organic, though? Uh I'm not talking about that that grass-fed bullshit. I'm talking about meat. And Balor says, Vince, you never believed in me, but the people do. And I'll show you. And he attacks Corbin as Claymore, uh, as McIntyre lays out Cena with a shot and then hits Balor with a Claymore. And Cena staggers up. He takes a Claymore kick. So Drew is standing as all these guys are down. And Vince decides that fatal four-way. I thought Drew made a pretty good accounting of himself here. These other three are laid out. Um, it seemed like it seemed like Drew kind of made Vince's decision for him.
0: Right. Okay. So the person but We got was, the we,
1: we got the fatal four way.
0: Yeah. Well he knew he had he had he had a main event to to build tonight, right? I guess so. Yeah. It's like yeah. we can't just end the drama now. We got another hour and a half to go. Hey, I actually thought this segment was pretty damn good. I thought everybody, you know, perhaps besides Baron Corbin, sounded really good. I thought Cena cut a great promo with a great callback to that whole ruthless aggression thing. Drew, I thought, sounded good. And uh, Finn, to me, sounded like he's he might be finally coming out of his shell, at least on Raw, you know. Uh, and Baron Corbin was there. Coming out of this, I actually kind of wanted to see, like, Cena versus Brock the most. Um, but... I feel like, yeah, like, and I wonder how the audience felt too, because um, they kind of made a good case for both him and and for Finn, you know, to be that lead baby face coming out of this.
1: Yeah, I, I thought the segment came off well, and you could see based on this segment, tonight was about Finn Balor. Yes. Like his positioning in this segment, uh, and especially when they gave him the talking point that uh, kind of. Management had given up on him, but the people had not. I mean, that was a pretty strong hint of that where they were going with Finn Balor. Yeah. We had a backstage, Vince McMahon is with a PA, and Jinder Mahal approaches him, compliments his suit, and he's offended he was not considered for the four-way. He listed his credentials, including making it to the finals of the Mixed Match Challenge, and that people were robbed of his match with Brock Lesnar in 2017 at the Survivor Series. I thought that was a great line to bring up. Great logic.
0: And I think next year for the Mixed Match Challenge, the winners should get a Universal Championship match against Brock Lesnar. Yeah, because this year the award was just outstanding.
1: We got YouTube clips.
0: Yeah, so they did follow up on the Carmella and R-Truth at Stanford things. I I haven't even watched them. Do you think they'll air on TV tomorrow, or do you think they're going to be YouTube exclusive? They might be
1: exclusives. (laughs) All that time. Uh, He then said, I didn't come out to the ring because I was tending to Sunil, who was attacked earlier by Braun. And he just wants a chance. So Vince says, well, pick one of the guys in the four-way, and if you beat them, you enter the match. And he chooses Finn Balor. So really stacking the deck against Finn Balor to overcome the odds tonight. Mm Mm-hmm. The Riot Squad versus Natalia and Bailey. And they come out and they introduce their partner, Nikki Cross. And this is when Cole explains that the NXT talent coming up can appear on both shows until they are signed to a brand. So this does not mean Nikki Cross is on Raw. And Cross comes out. She's acting crazy. She tags in at the start and drags Ruby underneath the ring skirt, attacking her with forearms as the camera just lost its mind with zooms. Um, Nikki Cross is going to be tough on this uh, on this camera work.
0: Yeah. Because she's crazy, so Nikki, it's got to look... Nikki Cross, Nikki Cross zoom. That's what I was <laughs> going to call her. Well, I
1: was going to bring up later that she came off the apron with a Nikki Cross body. Nice. Yeah. Uh, Cross comes off the turnbuckle. She's attacking Morgan. Then she goes for Logan. Natalia hit a release German to Ruby. And then Morgan did the Matrix. And Cross hit her swinging neckbreaker off the rope. Bailey came off the top with an elbow drop. And Natalia, Bailey, and Nikki Cross get the win. There was no dissension here between Natalia and Bailey. And we got just a, a baby face win.
0: Yeah, you're right. I thought they were going to go further with the whole Natalya versus Bailey thing, stepping off of Ronda versus Sasha. But um, we didn't get really hints of that here. This was more of a match to showcase Nikki Cross. I didn't think it was a bad match at all. But I feel like as an introduction to Nikki Cross, I wonder how successful it might have been. Because I feel like with a gimmick like hers, it... Will take a lot of time to translate to a new audience if it does at all. Like it's a character that I, I don't think is unlike the original mankind. And that took weeks and weeks of vignettes and production to come across to like a new audience. Here, you know, if you've seen her in NXT, great. I mean, but I was not even a fan of her in NXT. I just don't like this character at all. But um, I found that they were kind of playing off a lot of the assumption that people already know her from NXT. And I think for somebody like her, who was never uh, a main event level um, talent down there, it's really not that easy to make that transition. And I didn't necessarily feel like the audience connected all that much with her her stuff here.
1: I think it's a grave mistake to assume that everyone knows these characters in NXT. It's a way smaller audience that is watching NXT's weekly television. And I know that you can't necessarily do it for all these different people, but I, I think that I've always liked the vignettes just because if for nothing else, uh, regardless of the quality of them, it creates a sense of anticipation that you're – every week you're wondering how is this person going to – fit in who are they going to feud with what is that introduction going to be like and it just naturally leads to a curiosity each week and hopefully if they're successful they, they build that each week
0: well they did have vignettes uh but unfortunately and, and you know I, I do feel like quality at, on some level is important because these vignettes really told you nothing about who Nikki yeah was. i didn't even consider these vignettes it was like the same their highlights
1: you know highlight reel yeah. of them it was nothing about their care it was very minimal
0: um yeah, you're right. They ran that video. And when week. you think about it, like she spent how many years down in NXT crafting this character? Well, you've crafted like quite a character, it looks like. But, you know, now's the time where it, like this was what it was all for so that you can get a great sense of your character so that you can tell the wider audience who exactly you are, you are what you're about. And I feel like they they typically fail quite spectacularly when it comes to all that.
1: Yeah. And I mean, they they also did kind of the the start and stop with her when they were when they were over in England back in November, where she answered that open challenge from Becky Lynch and we all assumed, okay, this is the call up and it wasn't the call up. It's just a one off. Mm -hmm. So you've already kind of done the okay. here's the introduction and then we take her away. And, you know, it's anyway, it was I, I wasn't really that happy with these introductions tonight. I think that when you introduce someone, that should be a major thing at the end of the show is that that person has created an impact and there is some kind of change uh, within the show. And I I thought these introductions were afterthoughts by the end of the show. And that's not what I would want for anyone new that I'm introducing to the show, because now you have your work kind of, you kind of have your work cut out for you now to kind of go back and you don't have the benefit of that initial big impact that a first appearance should have yeah i agree balor is backstage walking for his match and there in the background is lacey evans chatting with dana brooke and mickey james
0: man um yeah
1: Can, can you imagine never seeing lacey evans and trying to figure this out just seeing her
0: yeah, no, you would really get no sense. I I would assume that like in the weeks ahead, maybe each one will kind of like get a match to showcase themselves, you know, like this week it was Nikki Cross, maybe tomorrow it'll be EC3 and then so on and so on.
1: Dean Ambrose cut a promo in the back. He talked about what was right and what was wrong. And what was wrong was defending his title against two opponents. And what's wrong is doing it in Memphis.
0: No one will take away his title, which, in fact, was wrong. Yeah. Um, God, like, I guess we'll talk about it at the end, but like, maybe let's talk about it now, now sure. that we know it's over. But this Dean Ambrose, I see. This title feels run, like a, fa- a failed experiment. Holy cow! Like, oh man. Well, first of all, like, I just like let's let's take us back to like the anticipation I think we all had for the inevitable Dean Ambrose heel turn and how good we all thought it was going to be. What a letdown it's been. These promos have just been there; they leave no impression to me whatsoever. I, I, I mean, and and I, I say that because I almost prefer that to the promos we actually got that I did leave impressions, because those impressions were not good at all. And and him being IC champion, like it might as well that belt might have not might as well not have existed. It, it's been a really bad run with Dean
1: Ambrose, especially when he was first called up. I mean, you could see. Like you could see all these different influences on him, whether it was uh Dick Slater or Brian Pillman, a little bit of Terry Funk or Roddy Piper. Like you could see all these little hints in this guy. Mm-hmm. And I always saw him as someone that – he was someone that could probably buck the issue of of scripted promos because this guy has just such a great – uh facial expression and reaction that he doesn't even have to talk and you're kind of captivated by this guy. Mm-hmm. And it just it kind of just slowly whittled away. And we and then we got into all the the kind of comedy, Dean Ambrose stuff that I didn't think really was a hit. And it was always in the back pocket was the heel turn and the promos and here we are. And it's it's been really disappointing. And I hope this isn't the, the just kind of a uh, we're going to put this guy on the back burner for now. I think that there's something there, but it certainly didn't get tapped into during this run. And maybe there was just kind of a bad start to this whole thing because of the circumstances of how they turned him. But it's not as though the follow-up has really, you know, changed anyone's mind either. It's more kind of
0: just confirmed it if, that
1: if anything, and the, and the last, that, that pay-per-view match was a disaster between those yeah. two.
0: I would say if anything, the circumstances is like gave him a head start like how much more heat could you get than than doing that that on the night of romans you know leukemia but like um all the follow up has just been like 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 you mentioned him you know perhaps being the one to buck the trend of scripted promos but i like if there's there th- his promos have sounded so scripted so rehearsed to me um, i thought this was a really bad one today i i just like don't even necessarily get a sense that this man was ever a good promo and i know he's been a great promo but watching this you would have never guessed it
1: all right, from there we go to our next segment with Jinder Mahal and Finn Balor. The Sings attacked Balor during his entrance, so Mahal got the advantage. And he's telling Balor that he's going to face Brock Lesnar. The referee is checking on Balor. Balor says, uh, I probably have a concussion, but nah, let's go ahead. I'm here anyway. And he has the match. He keeps going. Gets hit with a super kick. And then the rear chin lock. Um... Michael Cole's commentary, This and this isn't a negative, it so telegraphed uh, like how they were building up Balor that I, I thought Cole was actually pretty effective in kind of uh, leading you towards what the story was they wanted to tell with Finn Balor tonight. Uh, Mahal yanks his leg out on the apron, they go through a break, Balor fights back, double foot stomp, audience is behind him, he hits a Topekan hero onto Mahal and Samir,
0: and then Sling Blade, Dropkick, Coup de Gras, Jinder Mahal is the winner. It was a very formulaic and predictable match, but not necessarily a bad thing because the reaction was really good for it. It all worked with this crowd and was, you know, second chapter in a a longer story tonight.
1: Then we had... Leo Rush's selfie promo. Ambrose and Rollins have to suffer. And Lashley is the man the people need as champion. He's a fighter, and he will become the Intercontinental Champion... And Lashley just banged his fist together.
0: Yeah. We didn't see his ass, unfortunately.
1: No. No, we didn't. Then they had a video dedicated to glass. And this is maybe the only part of this I liked because they said, hey, we need to promote it around glass. (laughs) What can anyone come up with? Well, you know, Shawn Michaels once threw Marty Jannetty through the glass window in the barbershop. Yeah, put a package together. And we got this great video package on the history of the Rockers, so I'm not complaining
0: about that. We'll get that. I expect tomorrow we'll get something uh, surrounding Austin's uh, WrestleMania 14 entrance, or was it 13, whatever. Um, What else? What are the great glass moments in professional wrestling history to you? Oh, God. Oh, Um, Goldberg smashing his hand through Maybe we'll get Goldberg putting his arm through a
1: a legit window. Yeah. Um, Yeah. There's there's some bad glass. Uh, Kurt Angle and Shane McMahon at King of the Ring. Right. Well, right. They, they chose a good one here with the Rocker. That that is the first angle I have. I remember uh, when I started watching wrestling. That was the first angle I remember. Well,
0: that's a good one.
1: Yeah, it's like you start off with that. It's like everything afterwards. I
0: started I off with like Papa Shango making the Ultimate Warrior puke. Yet yeah. I somehow stuck around. That's amazing.
1: Seth Rollins. Has an interview backstage with Charles and says this could be his last chance at the IC title. So he's going to make the most of his opportunity by kicking Dean's teeth down his throat. And he recaps when Roman announced he is battling leukemia.
0: The The alarm bells go off as I hear that word. Okay, okay. Like they keep mentioning it. Do you think that um, it, it it's any indication of how he's doing? I'm not reading anything into it, right? Okay, yeah, just Can't. curious.
1: I mean, what anything is possible, but I, I don't like. They've been consistently mentioning it since October, so yeah. I don't look at this as any
0: different. Like they mentioned it a week or two ago as well. I know. I guess, like to me, it's like you know, if I if they had no indication that he was ever going to return, I wonder if they would be kind of casually mentioning it so much. I mean, they mentioned it the week after.
1: You know what I mean? I don't yeah, think yeah. they were. I don't think they were thinking in that direction. He said that that night when he made the announcement, the three embraced. They told Roman that he doesn't have to fight this alone. And Dean betrayed that embrace later in the night. He will never forgive him. And Lashley's got a great physique. But that only takes you so far. And no one on this planet can do what I do. I would immediately hate this promo because the match begins this three-way. The first thing in this match is Rollins and Dean yeah. giving each other a look to work together against Bobby Lashley right after this speech. I hated that, too. And
0: it consist- it was a big part of
1: the match later on, too. Mm-hmm. How is this so hard?
0: No, dude. Like, yeah, after, <laughs> after reminding us that your friend betrayed your other friend on the night that he revealed uh, that he was fighting leukemia, you go into the match... Thinking about using him to to gain an advantage, to partner up with him, I I thought that made Rollins look really stupid.
1: Like, how is a blood feud that hard to engage and, and play out? Yeah, we're going to do team-up spots throughout the match with this guy that is... I just I, like stuff like that is. It, it fine. should not
0: be so hard. Well, like I, spots like that, I think to, you know would would often work really well in a, in a triple threat. Like you look at Gargano and Champa, for instance, that makes sense somehow. But here in the same segment as you met, talking about the circumstances w- w- in which this guy turned on you, I think r- r- Seth's perspective on Dean should be completely unchanged. Should be completely unchanged until he really gets his revenge. And, you know, but it changed mid-match here. Lashley hit this
1: dominator to Rollins, but he came back with a suicide dive. And then Leo Rush did his cat-and-mouse spots with Rollins chasing him around. Your favorite. Um, Rollins hit this falcon arrow, got a near fall after Rush broke up the cover. There was a lot of Leo Rush in this match. Uh, there's a spear attempt by Lashley into a kick from Ambrose. Rollins takes out Dean with a springboard, goes to the top, Rollins lands the frog splash onto Lashley, but Dean then throws Rollins to the floor, gets a two count on Lashley. They hit a doomsday device onto Rollins, and I guess he was supposed to land on his feet. So Cole states, Oh, he landed on his upper shoulder. Like that was a good thing. And Graves says, No, 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 he landed on his feet. <laughs> this was a mess. You've got to hear the joy in Cole's voice like, oh, he escaped disaster. He just landed on his shoulder. It's like that would be an awful, awful injury. And Graves is trying to explain. No, he's on his feet. He
0: broke his fall with his head. He's perfectly fine.
1: His neck is supposed to go like that. Yeah. Rollins then uh, he screwed up the super kick to Lashley. So Rush then pulls the rope down. Rollins crashes to the floor. Lashley spears Ambrose. Lashley wins the title. And Renee goes quiet.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, um, uh, yeah, Renee. Like they've they've kind of stopped doing the awkward, you know. Hey, Renee, what's Dean thinking about lately? Uh,
1: there was there was some of it at the beginning of Graves when Renee was disagreeing with Lashley being part of this match, and Graves was kind of he was still like poking her with the the Dean stuff at times.
0: And I think we we, we can pretty confidently say now that none of that's amounting to anything like you know how like we're we're wondering if like oh is is renee gonna join dean is renee gonna turn heel and become a character and all this what are they building towards like it's been months i feel like they've kind of cooled off on it so it tells me that they're they weren't planning anything anyway i i actually thought the match was pretty good in there like uh with with these three really uh quick and snappy big move after big move overall it turned into an exciting match um I'm I'm kinda glad that the belt is off of Dean, but at the same time, I have almost no no interest in seeing a Lashley IC title run. And I don't see how they're going to change that with whatever caliber of opponent that they'll have. The idea I know is probably like, okay, um, Leo Rush is the cot is is the key to this guy's success. He's, you know, with, with, with the small, very agile man in his corner, this man is ultimately un- unbeatable. Um, I'm not with like that's fine, but like Leo Rush getting there by doing all of his cool, like flippy stuff, that's just such a, I think, crowd-pleasing thing. Um, does not make any of your baby faces look good. And I thought, again, Seth looked kind of foolish here, trying to chase down this very uh, quick man.
1: So the there's a PA backstage knocking on Alexa Bliss's locker room door with her latte, and he walks in on her and she's changing. And she's uh, she's got her, her chest covered. And then they just cut to Renee, who doesn't react to this, goes straight into a movie read for Glass. <laughs> this was the most clumsy transition ever. And this was like right out of the Sable playbook. Yeah, what the fuck was, what was the point of this? I think somebody watched Impact on Friday and saw Scarlet Bordeaux Do a, do a strip tease.
0: Well, like, I don't, I have no idea. Alexa Bliss's thing has never been like the sex pot. She's never been that type of character. That's, you know, that's your Mandy Rose. That's like your, your Eva Marie, you know, Alexa Bliss has never been that, that type of character. So this came completely out of nowhere. This kind of all of a sudden attempt to like promote Alexa Bliss as this like sexual character with this, like, I would say very kind of corny tease. Oh, you, you know, walked in on me. You know How what this is you. probably going to be is an enormously
1: viewed YouTube clip. Because if you remember, it was it was like is two or three Is that the idea, honestly? I I don't know, but that's what the result will probably be. There was several years ago, they did they did something similar to this with Eva Marie on a Smackdown. And they put up this clip, and it was like Eva Marie wardrobe malfunction. And this thing got so many views; it was ridiculous.
0: How it, desperate can they be for YouTube
1: views? That they what would was what was the point this? of this? This had nothing. This had nothing to do with her upcoming segment. It was just there for that exact reason of hopefully people would be just aghast at this.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure, you know, I and I would say, like, if you're trying to push all this other stuff with, with your women's re- revolution, this seems, a segment like this seems incredibly dated. That said, though, like, if it was like a Mandy Rose, I feel like I could excuse it because, like, that's the type of character that that you would expect, but I, I it seems completely...
1: I mean, they kind of did this with Mandy Rose with the towel last week.
0: Yes, that's right, yeah. But, like, for, for Alexa Bliss, it, it didn't feel right. Alexa
1: comes out right after this, clothed for her Moment of Bliss segment. And she mentions off the top that Vince McMahon announced that the women's tag titles are coming, but he never announced when. So she states that at Elimination Chamber on February 17th in Houston, there will be three teams from Raw and three teams from SmackDown who will compete in an Elimination Chamber match. And the winners will be the first women's tag champions. And they revealed the belts. and. It looks like you're going to have one set of champions, which I'm happy with.
0: I'm very happy too. I guess that would also mean what? That the champs could travel between brands, you think? Or that they would stay on one show? I would like them to go back and forth. Yeah, me too. These belts look really nice. They look good. I'm I I really like them. Um they're not just kind of like a color swap of the men's tag team championships. They're their their own brand new design. Um and I I think they look great. What do you think of the idea
1: of twelve people in an elimination chamber match?
0: God, that could be pretty busy. So I think you're gonna
1: you're gonna have to do some eliminations early because that is that's yeah. a lot of people if to to get to the end. I think you're gonna have to just for sure, yeah. throw out some teams early or just just pace it in in such a way that you're not
0: getting twelve bodies in there. So are we once. talking like tornado rules then? No, um, I imagine it'll be. You you actually tag you'll, you'll, with the chamber? You'll start.
1: I oh sorry. Wait, I thought you meant to start it. Yeah. I, I imagine it's just going to be four women to start it, and it's not a traditional tag. Yeah, because you be can't all yeah, over you, the place. Yeah, you. Can't it's really a. It, tag. That's a very difficult match to shoot when you're adding so many more people to it.
0: Yeah, they've never done uh, one that big, right? What's no, no. Yeah, they, like no the way. most has been what six, six or eight. I mean, it holds six, but yeah, I'm trying yeah. to think. So anyway, that's the
1: match. That's the February pay-per-view. Her guest is Paul Heyman. He stated that he was asked about his emotions tonight with a new challenger for Brock. Emotions don't play a role. He says, and then he runs through the potential challengers, stating that the foundation of suplex city was built on John Cena. He would be a liar if he didn't say he had his eye on Drew McIntyre. And he said, I can almost guarantee he will be universal champion. Just not now. He was very high on Drew McIntyre and, putting him over here. And he said, and then there's Baron Corbin and the audience just booed. And we didn't even get to Finn Balor because they were interrupted by the debuting Otis Dozovich of heavy machinery who wanders out onto the set. And Renee asked, what is that? And he, he's shouting incoherently Tucker Knight. And the agents had to come out to subdue him and take him to the back yeah. As I said, you get one chance to make a first impression, and I think we have enough off-the-wall characters on this show that are comedy mid-card that I don't know – I don't know the long-term prospects here of Heavy Machinery. Right.
0: Okay. Well, if, if, if I would say, like, of any of these acts debuting, if any of them kind of fit in this kind of weird comedy role, it would be Otis Do- Dozovich of the bunch – Right. I don't I don't disagree. He has certainly something about him. Yeah. But, you know, I, I kind of feel like the idea for them here is to simply like gradually introduce these people to, to your uh, uh, main roster audience by just, first of all, having them appear, getting their names out there and then maybe, you know, little by little identifying a bit more of their personalities.
1: And that was the segment. It cut to Mike Rome in the ring announcing the fatal
0: four-way, and then we just end end and go to break. These Alexa Bliss segments have been pretty (laughs) shitty. Like, they've been nothing. Even, like, Paul Heyman here, I thought was ultimately very um, inconsequential. Uh, I don't even know what he was out to do. Like, what was he here to say? He had no role on this show. You know, other than your tag team belt reveals and the mention of the chamber match, like, there is no reason for this. Um, Think Think about this.
1: Next week is the go home show, for this, Uh I I would argue that Paul Heyman would have been much better suited. You know, the the Cena endorsement was nice, and you didn't have to cut that out. But I think Heyman ending the show with now now's you've you've tapped on the shoulder of the beast, and now you have his attention, and end it with you know a big solid promo that Finn now you are facing the biggest challenge of your life like that big promo to at least send you off that this is the direction we're going because one week is one week that you have next week that i just think there was a much better usage of paul Heyman on this show
0: yeah i i think that would have been better and you know as far as as alexa bliss goes obviously they really like her they want her to be on tv while she's still rehabbing but man in any of these types of segments that she's led but be it you know these moment of bliss things or like the um town halls they've all been terrible, and I wonder how much of it it's due to is due to her or if it's just due to the writing. I have to think it's more so the writing, but how could it be that they've all been either really bad or just kind of pointless? I thought this one it's the two
1: extremes. this is your life. it was too much. It was twenty minutes that she was expected to carry, or roughly that like it was a long segment for her to carry, and something tonight. Like, she barely had any—she had, I think, two questions to ask Paul Heyman. Like, it wasn't even focused on her. And it's it's kind of hard to kind of leave any impression when so little is, is given. Like, this was more on
0: Paul Heyman than it was her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, I think on some level it really is, like, due to terrible material. But for whatever reason, they seem to be putting so much promotion behind it. They even shot a segment backstage with her back, with her naked back to the audience, to get us to watch this thing. And when we're finally watching it, there's just no substance there at all. Fatal Four Way: Finn Balor, Drew McIntyre, John Cena, and
1: Baron Corbin. Cena went for the five knuckle shuffle early, hit the AA onto Drew McIntyre, but Baron Corbin stopped the pinfall. They went through several commercial breaks. Uh, Balor drops Cena in the corner we're kind of fast-forwarding to the end here he climbs to the top but he's stopped by Cena lifts Balor onto his shoulders hits an AA off the second turnbuckle but Corbin then sends Cena to the floor getting a two count on Balor Corbin then attacks Balor and Cena with chair shots the claymore kick is hit to Cena Balor then takes McIntyre down with a spinning DDT climbs to the top Cena is left alone and Balor hits the coup de gras, pinning John Cena and Finn Balor is the new Number one contender for the Universal title. And then after the match, Cena got on the microphone and said that where he comes from, you fight for respect. Vince McMahon didn't believe in you, but the fans did. And now you have one more person that believes in you. He holds up Balor's arm, gives him the full endorsement, and tells him to give Lesnar hell as they hugged. I thought you could not ask for uh, a more uh, selfless... um, Performance than John Cena here completely unselfish and I I thought really kind of cemented Balor uh, by the end of this show. So I thought those were the two standouts for me in this and Drew McIntyre was kind of just a background player and I don't think that was a bad thing. I don't think you wanted him near the
0: you didn't want him associated as one of the losers here. Yeah. The, the 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 purpose of this episode of Raw was to put the rocket onto Finn Balor and, and I think uh putting the exclamation point on it with with having Cena deliver that awesome, awesome uh little speech at the end was perfect. You know, he he you can really count on him for all these roles and you know whether it be with becky or here with with finn balor i thought cena was was excellent and really well done good job by him the match to me i just thought was a little above average i thought the IC title triple threat was better uh maybe the the, a tired crowd by the end of this match didn't help either but um i wonder that you know how 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 the audiences will kind of um react to to Finn Balor. I feel like they put everything that they could into pushing Finn Balor on this episode. By the end of the night, I didn't necessarily hear that reaction be as loud as I thought it would be, but it could also just be because this has been a 3-hour raw. All right, that was raw. What a what a show. I thought a good episode of Raw, maybe the best in months if if that's saying anything. Um you know, I, I, I see... I think, like, Balor's big push really does kind of make this feel like they're living up to the the fresh start tagline. I thought we had some pretty average to good matches on this show. Um, I, I'll certainly say there was nothing offensive about the show. Not that offensive, at least. I'm trying to think. But, yeah.
1: Yeah, I wasn't as high on the show as you were. Uh, I thought that there were some, some missed opportunities uh, throughout the show. Um, but I did like the... The the big story was the Finn Balor one, and I thought they were uh, pretty—they pulled that one off. I thought that they did a pretty good job from start to finish of uh, building up Balor and, and I think, putting the odds against him. He beats Jinder. He gets into the match. He pins John Cena. A huge win. The endorsement at the end. So I don't think you could ask for much more in terms of uh, trying to heat up a guy uh, that—it's not out of nowhere either. Like, they have been— they have been protecting Finn Balor for the last month, and I, I don't think it's it's one of those things where, okay, we've been beating this guy, and now all of a sudden, we got to put him in this match. I think that there has been uh, a plan to get here with Finn. Mm-hmm. Let's go to feedback. All right. This show, the forum voted a 6.22. Pretty high for Raw when it comes to our forum. The highest in a long time. Andrew from Cape Breton is first. These babyface issues with Raw will simply not go away. I've been a fan of Ronda Rousey throughout her entire run, even though even through some of her faults. But tonight may have been the worst she's ever been used, and that's one reason the show gets a 3 out of 10. She sounded so pathetic begging for forgiveness from Sasha Banks. She's been presented as this, as this badass, and tonight it felt like it was one of those segments they'll pretend never happened in the future, like Bray Wyatt as Sister Abigail or Sasha Banks' love of Bailey. And then you have Braun Strowman, who looks scared of what Vince McMahon was going to say or do. This man has had numerous murder attempts during his career, but because Dad was disappointed in him, he backs off. To me, the biggest baby face tonight was Drew McIntyre. He got up in Vince's face and demanded something. Drew didn't ask nicely or beg off. He demanded it. He didn't care that Vince was the owner and the clear star of the show. Drew believes he's the big star and Vince is lucky to have him. At least that's how it came across to me. I love that confidence because most babyfaces don't have that confidence. I guess that's why Becky Lynch is so popular. I don't disagree with a lot of those those points that that is something we have talked about that uh, a lot of the time that the the babyfaces lack is that, uh, you know, the seeking approval of management that I think is such a killer. When it comes to, um, audiences
0: getting behind someone, right? Yeah, yeah. Maybe for Braun Strowman, ultimately that was a bad look. I don't, I, I don't agree with him about Ronda though. Like, I don't think Ronda was really kind of cowering to Sasha Banks. It was the story they're trying to tell is that you know these are this is somebody who really respects somebody else, and um, to get to a heated level of that rivalry, they had to, um. You know, Sasha had to take offense to to Ronda's words, and Ronda had to act like she didn't mean what she meant to say, while ultimately making you want to see the two of them, uh, you know, engage in in more of a heated feud. I didn't have a particular issue with it, but maybe Andrew, maybe a lot of people would agree with Andrew. We got a MJ who says this raw held my attention better than some past episodes, and I had a feeling they'd go with Balor. He looked incredible in the UK over the weekend, and I can't help feel can't help but feel like that. That's the guy I want to see versus Lesnar. Instead, we get a watered-down smiley version who was made to look like John Cena's kid. There is no way they should pass on doing Beast versus Demon, especially in that stadium with an awesome entrance to make Balor feel incredible, which means they probably won't. I thought Drew cut the best promo and seemed like... Do you think we'll get the, the Demon at the Rumble? I, I think that that's, a, that that's a really good build
1: to to have... That you almost think to, to squander it on like a week's notice. I don't, I don't
0: think know. you should. I don't think he should do the demon unless he's going to win. So. I agree it, with that. As a yeah. character, why wouldn't he? Well, I mean, because it takes so much out of him as we as we learned from the comic. But you're going for the biggest prize imaginable. Like what warrants it? Maybe he feels like he doesn't need it. You know? Okay. Maybe he it costs him a lot of money. Maybe okay, he has to rent the headdress. <laughs> the rent is a lot, especially yeah. at a at a baseball field. Yeah, uh, but you know, I, I'm I be I'll be interested to see it. I think the demon is something that they've held off on so long now that it's something they should per, uh, 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 protect. Ultimately, I hope this is a bigger story for Finn Balor and that like he loses this match and then he'll go on to do a rematch with with the demon. But we we'll see if he gets that that so many chances against Brock. Okay, MJ continues. Uh, I thought Drew cut the best promo and seemed like a viable heavyweight standing up to Vince. And what the hell was that Bliss segment? I get they ran out of time, but when? why even send Heyman out there if he was scripted to do a long promo? Could have just had her announce the tag title match. Finally, Renee Young calling Raw has become the equivalent of what, what the backyard football announcer sounded like in the 1999 computer game starring Pablo Sanchez. She sounds like a 12-year-old watching... Saying the most cliche things while hitting everyone's nickname. I once predicted Renee would host SportsCenter or some show like it, and now she's been reduced to the Monday Night Raw equivalent of Sunny, Sunny Day. Okay. I don't know who any of those people are. Do you? Uh no, these all flew over my head as well. I'll tell you uh, what: hosting SportsCenter is probably a way easier job than than doing color commentary on this. Show. I would.
1: I would. uh I would bet any amount of money that Renee Young. Renee Paquette would be phenomenal hosting Sports Center, and I think in most hosting roles, uh, she would be tremendous. And I think when we're negative on the the WWE, particularly main roster announced teams, I think I think it's very clear that there is an issue in the system, and not so much the performers. Because I have heard Corey Graves be great. I have heard Renee Young, uh, Renee Young more so. She is not an experienced announcer. So she's got the double whammy of in this system and also trying to learn this without the background of consistently like she was calling NXT, but that was years ago. And I think that the person it was fine. I was thinking about this today is that Michael Cole will retire one day and there's gonna be a generation that hates this guy. And I have heard Michael Cole enough times from UK tournaments to network specials to realize that this guy is a very good announcer, and he is in a system that it's it maybe the clearest example of what what this system kind of calls for and what it takes out of people.
0: Yeah, how do you think Michael Cole would sound calling a Russell Kingdom?
1: Uh, a lot more relaxed. When he called the those UK shows, he was great. When he called that Beast in the East special, I remember that being just a revelation. That man. This guy is, you know, he's not Jim Ross. He's not uh, Lance Russell, but he is perfectly fine. Yeah, yeah. And and I think if Michael Cole were to spend uh, six months calling NXT, I think people would have a drastically different opinion of Michael Cole. But he's a product of this system, and it's the system that he's known for his whole career Mm -hmm. in in the company. So anyway, that was my tangent. Jalen from Pickering. Once again, they were clearly trying. Incorporation of basically every NXT call-up with these was either awkward or confusing. Even Nikki Crosses was muddled by Cole giving a monologue about the call-ups, which was info we could have gotten in video packages instead of seeing the same one every week. With that being said, commentary is abysmal. I think Renee has made Corey worse than he was already becoming. Somehow these people are friends in real life, talk for a living, are genuinely witty, yet have no chemistry together. And with what they've been doing with Seth, he should have just been trying to get into that main event, even though he already had a match. It's not a great sign that Roman's been gone for almost three months, and no one's overness on Raw has increased since. Braun and Dean have regressed. McIntyre and Rollins are treading water. I don't know about that with, with Rollins and, and Drew McIntyre. I think they're in uh, fine positions. But but they haven't advanced.
0: Is maybe yeah. it, it, I mean,
1: it's, it's it's difficult for what they're doing at the moment because you're creating challengers and... Seth Rollins is clearly being positioned for something bigger beyond the Royal Rumble. So he can't be in the midst of everything on these these raws going into the Rumble. But you're right. It's there should be a better storyline reason to
0: to have him omitted from something like this fatal four-way tonight. I don't disagree with that. We go to our next patron who says a newsworthy show. So I guess that was something I took issue with the way these call-ups were introduced barring Nikki cross. Maybe this is some insight into why Lars Sullivan had a panic attack. Um, Any update on that situation? Have you heard? No, I have not. I've not heard an update, but yeah. I mean, he wasn't on the show tonight. Mm-hmm. So. i know you guys will probably discuss this on the double shot but i had a quick question about nigel McGuinness. i didn't know much about him before the doc but it was always under the impression that he retired due to an injury similar to Corey graves since it was by choice do you have any idea if another match this time in the wwe could ever be in the cards or is there some extra info i'm not aware of
1: no i mean it's it's kind of outlined in the, in the documentary um the thing is i mean he he never did have that that surgery for his, mm-hmm. his his partially torn biceps, so unless they're, the WWE doctors ha- have changed, um, that would still be something that they're not willing to clear him over. I mean, they can change their mind. They clearly did in in the case of Brian Danielson, but I don't even get the sense now that he would he would uh, he clearly would has a a desire for that. But I think it's kind of overridden by what his new career is.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wonder, like, when the last time he might have even been in a ring. You know, is he in shape for it? Uh, I think there will, there will be a lot of questions. Ooh. Yeah, we'll talk about this more
1: on the double shot, because we're yeah. going to spend some time on that. Matt from Kansas City, uh, one of the best rods in a while, and how everything was paced. I really like the transitions between segments happening on air, as it reminded me of the ruthless aggression attitude era days, where they had much less time to work with and had to fit everything in. The Elias transition in the opening was my favorite part of the show because it showed a clear commitment at trying new things. The matches were solid, OK TV matches that served their purpose in moving the show forward towards the pay-per-view. Rollins is getting colder and colder, and I don't think it's wild to say he's turning into 2008 Matt Hardy with how much of a goober they're portraying him as. Thanks for reminding us for the hundredth time what Dean did and that Roman has leukemia. Seth is much more of a sad sap than a red-hot hero, and I would groan if he won the Royal Rumble this year. Despite Seth being a lost cause, a good show. Hero Hero John Tana Cena giving Finn the rub at the end was nice, especially the callback to the fatal four way from last year where Finn lost to the super AA in the elimination chamber qualifier. Oh, I didn't get I didn't realize that. hmm I will say I wasn't the biggest fan of any of the NXT acts in the first place, so I'm not all that upset that their call ups were fitting for their position in the company. But if you're gonna try, at least do a good job. And he asks, how much do you think the call-ups are going to be affected by the aura of not being the talents who could even make it on takeover cards consistently? I don't think that necessarily is a big problem. I think that if if you are positioned in a certain way, it's
0: well it's look, not look, detrimental. Look at Alexa Bliss. Look at, you know, Elias. Elias. Um Carmela. Yeah. Mean, Ultimately, the main roster I feel like is a very different thing with with uh, different producers and maybe maybe kind of you know the qualifications are a little bit different. But you know certainly there's something to be said about like perception on your first day. And I I can probably say most of the talents uh, debuting right right now at the second aren't necessarily going to be seen as like world title contenders off the bat. Let's you know like like say a Finn Balor was of of all of the. The
1: people that we're on. Who do you see having the most upside uh, on the main
0: roster? Right. Um, so not, not Lars Sullivan. Right. Let's exclude Lars for now. Um, I think I would say. I think I would say EC three. Yes. Yeah. We go to Jay from Colorado. Raw, to me, is the literal definition of taking one step forward and two steps back. First of all, the good things, of course, were Balor getting a universal title shot, the shakeup in the IC title with Lashley winning, and the introduction of the amazing-looking women's titles. Too much Vince, both in quantity and attitude. He's just trump light to me, and I honestly don't care for it anymore. Why the hell is he okay with AJ Styles showing some animal instinct and punching him in the jaw, but Braun does the same, and it's hell to pay. The only thing consistent between the two brands is inconsistent. Last week when I said EC3 and Lacey Evans deserve better than a main event debut, I never in a million years imagined that they would find a worse way to debut them. Here's EC3 in ring gear, smiling in the line and saying absolutely nothing. (laughs) Lacey Evans is just hanging out and her debut is getting an awkward acknowledgement from Finn Balor. And holy balls, what the hell are they trying to do with Colorado's own Otis Dozovich? Is he possessed or having a stroke? What's going on here? And hey, let's have everyone also debut on SmackDown too, because why not? At least Nikki wrestled, but it should be a no-brainer to put her with sanity on SmackDown. And while I'm thrilled that the women's titles are coming, and they look fantastic, I thought they deserved their own segment. They want to make the women's tag belts important, but they still play, around, play second fiddle to Paul Heyman speaking for an absentee Universal Champion.
1: Yeah, they might. You could have done a bit more with that introduction, and maybe saved it for the night after the Rumble.
0: Right? Yeah. Would you have preferred a Stephanie McMahon appearance? Yeah, where they uh, she has created
1: these titles. Uh, <laughs> she has grown them in her garden, yeah, and uh, fostered them, cared for them, and here they are, mm-hmm. the the product of her labor. All right, next one here is Joey from Queens. A lot of people have a lot on
0: their mind tonight. I know. Very talkative, all of you. Unfortunately, we like feel free to, to cut some of this off because it's a lot of reading for us. Yeah, this is a small book we've gotten tonight.
1: This show is weird. The first two hours were a mixture of some of the things I hate the most about the current product and just stuff that straight up baffled me. The opener, while a better showing for Braun than last week, confused me. I'm not sure if Vince has either soured on Braun after, after that, what I refer to loosely as a segment last week or he wasn't cleared to return. We will probably know more tomorrow or in the week to come. Uh, but as yeah, um, we've, we've kind of gone over all that stuff. It's, uh, yeah, this was not just decided upon this week. Um, let's go to his ending here because this is a, this is Joey. I did ask my grandmother to watch raw with me again. However, she tapped out after the first hour and a half from what I gathered. She hated the show just as much as she did last
0: week. At least we suffered through it together, and he gave the show a four out of ten. Okay, Dave from Sydney. In the same breath, we had a topless Alexa Bliss. Women tag belts were introduced, and Otis <laughs> was gawking at Bliss. How could, how could you seriously mess up something like the women's tag belt so badly? How could they take such a step back with women's wrestling?
1: There will be a time that people will look back at the the announcement and. They're going to go back, and they'll realize that segment ended with Otis (laughs) Dozovich being being held off of Alexa by Tucker Knight. Hmm. Jeremy from Kentucky. Overall, decent show. I like how they're trying to weave real-life Vince's thoughts on Finn into the programs, but hopefully they don't overdo it. And most of the show and matches seem to actually have storylines to support them. How revolutionary. And I don't mind seeing a little edginess like what we got with Alexa backstage. Oh, edgy, so edginess edgy. way. Edgy. Bare back. <laughs>
0: Damn. Yeah, I had to. EG13, look out. Yeah, I had to make sure my parents didn't walk into the room. Edgy. Yeah. Uh, okay, last one here. Yeah, last one. We go to Tyler from Orlando who says Have you guys heard of the movie Glass? Just making sure you got the memo. When I saw Lucha House Party against the Revival again, I groaned. Glad Lashley got the title; it makes him seem somewhat important. Finally, he seemed genuinely happy about it. I thought the Fatal 4 was good. Glad to see Balor get a push. Do you think he pulls out the demon for the Rumble? Yeah, we we kind of discussed it. Um, I'm gonna say he probably doesn't get a rematch, so I'm gonna say yes. Sorry, is this about Dean? Demon, demon. Oh, demon.
1: Sorry, sorry. I was uh, blanking there. Um, what, what do you see with, with Dean? I mean, he's probably thrown into the rumble, uh, unless like there, there's not, it's, it's so weird that it goes from a heel to a heel that you, you can't even really spin off Dean with Lashley. I mean, I guess you could prolong this Ambrose Rollins feud, uh, and maybe they're just both in the rumble. Um, but I think that's going to really tell the tale. Like, is this, are they still committed to Dean Ambrose as they were a month ago, or are we going to see a reduced Focus on Dean Ambrose in this role.
0: It certainly doesn't feel like they've they've kind of cul- culminated that feud yet between the two of them. So I, I expect don't. that the both of them will be involved in the Royal Rumble, and perhaps you'll kind of reheat the the feud that way with maybe you know either uh, Dean causing Seth his his Royal Rumble shot or something else. I do think ultimately perhaps that program should be um, climaxing at WrestleMania. So they still have a ways to go, and I would say. Judging by, you know, the material from the past couple weeks, they have some a lot of work to do actually to reheat that thing.
1: All right. That brings an end to the show. Um, entertaining show. It was a good discussion.
0: I enjoyed this. Thank you, yeah. thank you, John. Always fun. And I look forward to doing it again tomorrow when you and I will not only talk about SmackDown, we'll not only talk about all the news that's going to take place tomorrow, but also on the double shot exclusive to patrons of our patreon the post wrestling cafe what are we going to discuss again
1: we're going to chat about the nigel McGuinness documentary that aired over the weekend on the wwe network Uh, we're both going to check out the gene okerlund special that was airing monday after raw and way will take us through the season four premiere of total bellas yeah i look forward to all of that stuff
0: i think that's like like it's a it's a good week for me for like all these extracurriculars
1: Yes, so we'll get you all caught up on on, uh, that stuff on the double shot. Again, all of our list of shows you can find up at postwrestling.com and the Royal Rumble Pool. Once again, uh, postwrestling.com slash rumble. Correct? Awesome.
0: Yeah. And again, uh, all of our uh, Post Wrestling Network shows are on Spotify, so go favorite them, like them, download them, um, love them, embrace them, and uh, tell them that you like their shows. All right. Thanks to everyone for listening, and we'll be back on Tuesday night.